All right, welcome everyone to the year that was dot dot dot. I'm your host, Aaron Maxson. I'm here with my co-host, co-host this week, my brother, Nate Maxson. What's up, bro? Hello, everyone. And uh, Mark Brew. What's up, Mark? Get it done. Got a dead flip over. Do it again. All right. <laughs> little little bit of that Southern charm here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so anyway, like I said, we're here. We're, we're all together. Um other than Arch, which understandable in that situation. But we're going to power through. Um, if you guys don't know what this show is, it's a week-to-week breakdown of WWF and WCW in the year 1997. Um, once we get through 97, we're going to pick another year to discuss. But it's basically the major shows and pay-per-views um, from both companies. Uh, this week, we're going to be discussing King of the Ring 1997. Uh, which is, uh, it's a decent show, but I got some thoughts on it, and I'm sure you guys will too. Um, so unless you guys have anything to talk about at the top of the show, we'll move into um, a couple other things before we actually talk about King of the Ring. The World Wrestling Federation, for over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so do you guys have anything? Nope. Yeah, uh, when you nope. say we're together, not in the not in the biblical sense. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the beast with two backs or anything. Just, just, just for clarification, yeah. in case anybody misconstrues that. Yeah, like, I wouldn't even think that. Get your you minds out of the gutter, listeners. You said it, bucko. Just saying, there ain't no butt stuff going on. It's just guys talking about wrestling. <laughs> yes, it's just three men talking about other guys rolling around in their underwear. There's nothing gay here at all. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't, really. Yeah, I know. I'm just being facetious. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You put it wherever you want, but just not in me. <laughs> anyway, um... What we're going to do before we talk about the show is um, every once in a while I like to talk about like whatever top 10 movies and top 10 songs there were in the country at this time. For some reason, unfortunately, I don't know why, I cannot find all top 10 songs from this week in 1997, but I did find the top five. Um, The number one song is Oombop by Hanson. Oh, my God. Not Stan Hanson. Just the band Hanson. <laughs> We're not going to get on Stan Hansen. I'd like to see Steve, Stan Hansen sing Oombop. With a, with a big thing of chaw in his mouth. Yeah. And he just clotheslines all the kids. Just gives them all the lariat all at once. <laughs> I think there were four of them. I don't know. Um, the next song I actually like is Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. Um, Never dies. That's a great song. Um, um Say You'll Be There by the Spice Girls is number three. The only Spice Girls song I remember is that what Want to Be My Lover or whatever. I don't know any of their other songs. Um, I never I never got the precipice of that because if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh? <laughs> like, okay. I've seen this on browsers. Yeah. I'm down with it. It says, as long as scary spice ain't there, I'm down. <laughs> She didn't really do it for me, but he'd be like, posh spice. Like, all right. She was a two bagger. Huh? 
<laughs> Scary Spice. She was. A- I thought you said Posh Spice. I'm like, really? Good lord. <laughs> but anyway, um, the next song is. It was number one. I think the last time we did it was dropped down the charts. Is Hypnotized by Biggie, and then uh, the Freshman by Verb Pipe. Oof. A boring ass band. Yeah, Verb Pipe sucked. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then they lost all their money because they had a bittersweet symphony, symphony or whatever. They stole it from the Rolling Stones. And, and you know how like they used to be like, oh, he used eight seconds. Eight second sample. You can get away with it. I think I think it was like I think it was like nine and a half seconds of like this fucking track <laughs> that they stole from the fucking Stones and the Stones sued their asses and got like all the money for like that entire album. Like if somebody bought the album that song was on, they got none of the money. It all went to the Rolling Stones. <laughs> it's like fucking idiots. Be original or Dr. Dre. <laughs> like Dr. Dre and Puffy, they know how to sample shit. Stay oh. in your lane, Ferv Pipe. <laughs> oh, when you Googled that, did you Google pop culture? <laughs> <laughs> because if you could only find five, like literally, you should be able to find the Billboard top ten at least. I don't, it's just I tried and I couldn't find it. But it is what it is. I'm not going to put a lot of work into it. Nate's not paying me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then do you guys want to go over the movies or the big news story that happened this week? The biggest news story in the country should do the movies first. Yeah, right. definitely. Um, number 10 is Liar Liar. Great um, movie. Yes. Number nine is that Kurt Russell movie Breakdown. That fucking thing's still hanging on. Um, number eight is a movie that you guys all told me I was crazy that I hated was The Fifth Element. Hate that movie. <laughs> Big um, It's that just a bad movie. Um, number seven is the uh, is Austin Powers, The International Man of Mystery. Number six is Trial and Error, which I believe is a Pauly Shore movie. Oof. <laughs> I think he's like a lawyer. I think it's like I, him. And, I think it's like him and Andy Dick. <laughs> Mark, Google it while I'm going down this list. I, just, I think it. I think it's. I, I want to think it's him and Andy Dick, but I'm not sure. Was it called Trial and Error? Trial and yeah. Error. Or maybe it's Daniel Stern. I can't remember, but it's fucking terrible. I know that. It says <laughs> Jeff Daniels, <laughs> Lawrence Pressman, and Rip Torn. Oh, I'm, think, I'm thinking of a completely different movie then. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, because yeah, I'm getting the same thing that Mark's getting. So, yeah, okay. Mike, Michael Richards and Jeff Daniels were okay. Uh, that's Michael Richards. That's who I thought. Paulie Shore, Michael Richards. Come on, and, and Charlize Theron. Same thing. She's, Charlize Theron's all the way live. Yes. Like Devil's Advocate is one of my favorite movies. But there's times I watch that movie and I'm just distracted by how fucking hot she is. But anyway. Let me, let me check one She's thing. aged beautifully also. Yep. Like, you can't even barely tell other mm-hmm. than the fact that she doesn't look so <clears throat> teenage-esque almost. Right. Yeah. Um, 
um, he did he uh, fucking jury duty. That was the Polly Shore movie. So there was a lawyer movie with Polly Shore on it. <laughs> it just wasn't trial and error. Yeah. So I'm not completely stupid. Um, uh, the nineties. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I want to check one more thing and then we done. It was all a blur, anyways. <laughs> I just I can't remember why I thought of a like where I even put together an Andy Dick, fucking Pauly Shore movie. Like, eh. but then again, it was. It could have possibly happened. Good, good or good for good or for bad, honestly. Probably because it was my formidable years. The '90s are my favorite pop culture. Yeah, yeah. like I, I was, I was talking to, oh fuck, I don't even remember who it is. Maybe a coworker or something. But she's in like her late 20s, and I made a joke, and I made a reference to Kennedy. Yeah, and she was like, I don't know who that is. I was like, You don't know who Kennedy is? She was a, she was a VJ on MTV. Yeah. She's like, I don't, what's a VJ? And I was just like, never mind, I'm done, forget it. <laughs> yeah, before you get me too for saying a 90s pop culture reference. Right. <laughs> did you ever watch, did you guys ever watch Arrested Development? Oh, God. <laughs> the movie, watched- the show Arrested Development? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Charlize Theron's funny on there. She plays the British chick. Mm-hmm. Whatever and it turns out, like he thinks she's just fun, but she's like mentally challenged. Yeah. <laughs> it's good shit. But anyway, anyway, I love that fucking show. Leave it to Aaron. That show that's fucking great. I didn't write it. That show's fucking amazing. Anyway, um that trial and error movie, number five, Gone Fishing, which was I think Joe Pesci and Danny Glover. Danny Glover. There was this this period from like 94 to 97 where people wanted to watch old fucks like be cantankerous to each other and do weird things like grumpy old men. I was about to say nobody could do it like Lemon and Mathow. I know, but they got like four of them out of that and or maybe, I don't know, maybe not four. Um, Gone Fishing was good though. This is going to be like for real call back to the 90s. The first time I ever saw that movie was in a drive-in. <laughs> and I'm not saying they weren't good. I'm just saying, like, there was just this t- time period where they just wanted old guy, like, actors that, um, how do I want to say, were, were just starting to get, you know what I mean? Just starting to get old. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, oh, we got to keep these guys relevant. But anyway... It was like grumpy old men. They did like that space cowboys movie or whatever. It was like fucking shot yeah, Eastwood. Yeah, they fucking shot Eastwood and Tommy Lee Jones up in the space. And then they fucking, they're like 70. And like by the end of the movie, they're with like the 50 year old chick. You know, it's wearing mom jeans. Anyway, uh, the next movie is Buddy. I don't know what the fuck that is. That's about a gorilla, ain't it? Probably. 90s movies are fucking stupid. <laughs> it's probably a monkey that became like a lawyer. Jonathan Taylor Thomas is in it somewhere. Yeah, it's a it's an orangutan that he's uh, not a yeah, lawyer. It's, he's it's, not it's a, a it's a gorilla. A, okay, he's a gorilla, but he's not a, he's not a lawyer. 
We already made the Andy Dick. And it's a, it's probably it's it's definitely one of those one of those you'd know it's one of those movies where the funniest stuff was in the trailer. Like you watch the movie and you've already seen all the funny stuff in the trailer. It's got Renee Russo and Pee Wee Herman in it. <laughs> <laughs> the nineties, I'm telling you. Uh, did he jerk off the monkey? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Anyway, I, I might watch it. Uh, <laughs> the next movie is Addicted to Love. Don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's crap. It's probably it's a you know it's a rom com. Probably got fucking John Cusack in it. Um, <laughs> then the Lost World, Jurassic Park, the Lost World, which is kind of it's a cool movie. Um, this is before Jurassic Park jumped the shark. And then the number one movie, and it's making its debut, Con Air, starring Nicolas Cage. Good fucking movie. That movie is ridiculous as well. <laughs> it's a good fucking movie. It's, it's good, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> Put the bunny down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a call back to your addicted to love is Meg Ryan and Matthew Broderick. Uh, Rod- yeah, close enough. <laughs> Dave Chappelle gets thrown out of a fucking plane in that movie, doesn't he? Isn't that Dave Chappelle? Not an addicted to love. <laughs> Plot twist. Yeah. He's like, what am I doing here with these white people? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Dave Chappelle. I know what you're talking about. It is, right? See the Dave Chappelle or Ja Rule? I don't know. Hey, Ja Rule. Yeah, <laughs> it was Dave Chappelle. Ain't most deaf. I think it's fucking Dave Chappelle. Hmm. Are you saying that most deaf and Dave Chappelle look alike? No, I'm just saying, <laughs> like Nate did. I'm saying that it, I think it was Chappelle. Is Dave Chappelle in Con Air? Good shit. Yes. Uh, somebody somebody Google that. <laughs> I can't do everything. All right. And then the big the big news story. Are you guys ready for the big news story? This one isn't funny. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Dave was in Conair as yeah, uh, Joe Parker. Yeah, he got thrown out of the plane. If I remember right. He's the comedy relief, and then they just shoot him out the bottom of the plane or something. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, the big news story, and I think to this day, everybody would still be glad about this. Um, In this week, it wasn't obviously today or the day of the show, but uh, Timothy McVeigh is found guilty and sent to prison for the rest of his ever-loving fucking life. So that was a good thing. The only, the only bad thing about it is he didn't get the death penalty. Yeah. And he will not win the King of the Ring. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I read that, I'm like, you know what? There's one thing. There's like two people. There's two groups of people that no matter who, who they are, are just universally in this country. I shouldn't say universally. I should say nationally. Probably universally. are just fucking hated. And, and that's fucking terrorists. 
and the, and the and the and the kid touchers. You know what I mean? Those are like the ones where you got to like keep them away from everybody else. Can't be in the general population. Yeah, don't get killed. <laughs> it's just like chances are if you're in if you're a terrorist and you blow up something and you wind up in the prison of the area that you did it, chances are there's probably somebody that was there that's related to the per you know what I mean? Like right, to even if you didn't kill them, there's still probably somebody that's related to somebody that was in the Oklahoma building that Tim McVeigh blew up and you're like, if I find that motherfucker You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. don't blow up innocent people and don't touch kids or we will fuck you up. That'll be your last child call. <laughs> <laughs> well Thankfully, like I said, Tim McVeigh, he's going away for the rest of his life. I don't know if he's still, I think he's still alive. I think. Probably. Probably. Living on our money. Yeah. And there it is. So, unless you guys got anything else, we can move into uh, King of the Ring. The World Wrestling Um, Federation for over 50. (laughs) Actually, I think it says he. He was a, he was a soldier, right? Yeah, a piece of shit. Yeah, June eleventh, two thousand one. He he died. Good, good. Rot, rot, rotten hell. Good news. Cool. I just never thought I ever looking him up again. So why like why would you do that? You know what I mean? Well, well I mean, you. I think he's still alive. Well, <laughs> well, no, I'm saying I'm saying get rid of you, Looney. I'm glad you looked it up because I couldn't remember. But like, to me, when a terrorist or somebody that does something to kids gets put away, I don't ever want to think about that person again. Fuck them. Yep. And when you told me he was gone, Mark, all I thought of was the great Jack Nicholson in the 1989 Batman movie. I'm glad you're dead. Yes, that's. <laughs> but yeah. Just... I, he thinks that... that's so funny. I love it. He's like. <laughs> Glad you're dead. <laughs> it's it's a great scene. Anyway, when he shoots Jack Palance, isn't it? No, it's when he when he gives the guy the buzzer, but it electrifies the shit out of him and like burns him up. Oh yeah. So he's just like talking. He's talking to his burnt corpse. <laughs> yeah, isn't it like his mob buddy or something. I don't. Know. Yeah. Like, I think that movie doesn't get enough credit on it. No, it's like, a great I, movie, and I just think it doesn't get enough. It's a great movie. But any, any, it is great. Like, I like the fact that they didn't depict Joker as being like, I don't know. Not, I mean, he was insane, but you know what? It's just a different take on it. Everybody always wants him to be like this, like, flamboyantly crazy person or Mm -hmm. whatever. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. We won't get too much into that. What the? Somebody got an update. Um, so, King of the Ring, 1997. Uh, this show happened on um, June 8th, 1997. Providence, Rhode Island. Providence Civic Center. Uh, 13,312 people. Um, the taglines for this show were, it's bound to get medieval and brace yourself. You said 13,000? Yeah. God, where did that information come from? What do you mean? Because right here, it says 9,312. That's 4,000 difference. Vince probably wrote it. (laughs) 
anyway. So is that is that one of those that they announced the attendance on air? And you I wrote just, that down? No, I just got it off some research, but I I mean not everything on the internet is real. Um, um the broadcasting team is sometimes been- I don't mean to cut you off, Aaron, but sometimes also those numbers get those numbers get muddy online because uh, people want to go, oh that was paid. Well, not just not just. I was about to say not just that. That that's what I was going to say. Sometimes you have a an in attendance number, and then you have a paid in attendance number. So we'll just call it in the middle. There's eleven thousand people there. <laughs> um, your broadcast team is Vince McMahon and Jim Ross, and your interviewers are Doc Hendricks and Todd Pettengill. Uh, the free-for-all match featured the Headbangers defeating Bart Gunn and Jesse James. Um, one thing I think is stupid is they don't put the free... Like, they should just put the free-for-alls on the fucking network. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Probably the only person that ever thought that. But um, the show opens with the pyro. Vince McMahon and Jim Ross check it on headset and introduce Tito Santana and Carlos Cabrera. And then also... They're the, the they're the Spanish announced team, and then uh, Raymond Rougeau and Jean Bassard are your French speaking um, commentating team. Um, I don't really have anything on any of those guys. Um, um, so then we move into the opening match, and it's Ahmed Johnson versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley with China in the first semifinal. Semi-finals match of the tournament. Um, I'd, we've talked about this a lot over the course of this show. And like I said, I don't care for him. I know Nate liked him. But I will admit, Ahmed Johnson, it was was over like Rover with the crowd. Um, they were super into him. I don't, and so, I mean, I can't fault him for that. But as a wrestler, he's trash. Um one thing I did learn about uh, Ahmed Johnson that I did not know. Nate, do you know who trained Ahmed Johnson? I don't know. Ivan Pussy. No. <laughs> so, Ahmed I did was not trained. know that. Yes, Ahmed was trained by Ivan Pussy. Um, and then during the match, it's just it's a basic match because that's what you're going to get out of Ahmed. Um, Hunter probably just being like, let's keep it, let's keep it. Simple. Let's keep it simple so you don't fucking hurt me. I'm finally getting a push. Um, <laughs> and then Ahmed Johnson gets distracted by Triple H, who ends up getting the pedigree on Ahmed Johnson. And um, um, so and then he gets the one, two, three. So Hunter Hurst Helmsley has moved to the finals. Um, I'd say the match is two and a half stars. It was decent action. And never really bored the crowd. And like I said, I think Triple H just kind of says, like, let's let's keep it simple, stupid, and not, you know, do anything too crazy. And it was just, it was a basic match. And it gave Ahmed a little bit of an out by being distracted. And obviously, we're moving towards what everybody should know is the finals. But so there you go. Mark, I'm assuming, did you watch the show? I'm assuming you watched the show. Honestly, I didn't watch this one. Oh, Jesus. Neither one of you guys watched the show. Well, I've, anyways, seen, I've seen it a million times. Take my word for it. It's a two and a half star match. 
Um, all, I has, can think, all I can all I can think of now is Ivan Putsky trying to teach Ahmed Johnson how to sing "Melody of Love" <laughs> and sell. <laughs> Say, hey, I'm not very good, so I'll teach you to not be very good. <laughs> not a Ivan Putsky fan at all. Anyway, um, so the next match is the second semifinals match. It is Mankind versus Jerry the King Lawler. Um, um, Mankind is talking about being confused about where and what Paul Bearer is doing, um, but will still be at the King of the Ring, um, or he's still going to win the King of the Ring. Like, Mankind has, like, his character seems like it's funny because, like, he doesn't realize that Paul Bear is with the Undertaker. So like it's almost like his character isn't paying attention to anything else that's going on around him. And he's become so frantic because Paul Bear isn't there to tell him what like like he has no idea Paul Bear is like blackmailing the Undertaker. He's like, I don't yeah, know. Paul, Paul Bear is. has Paul Bear has moved on and mankind doesn't realize it. Like, I don't know where he is. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> he, he's not in the boiler. That's still in denial about it being over. Yeah. It's like mankind's character only knows what's going on with mankind. You know what I mean? So I yeah. just thought that was kind of funny. Um, uh, Jerry Lawler, um, um, he comes out and he does. I, I was going to play it, but it's okay. Um, Jerry Lawler comes out and because I wrote down the funniest line. Um, um, Jerry Lawler comes out and he does his walk and talk. You know, Nate Mark, the entrance that Lawler used to do all the time from like. 93 until about 97 when he just exclusively basically became a commentator. He's just yeah. Yeah. Head insulting on the one arm, microphone yeah. in the other, walking down on top of shit. Yeah. Like one chick was wearing blue and he's like, oops, I don't want to put my mail in you or whatever. <laughs> like shit like that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, um, but, but then he, he's talking about mankind and he's like, where is mankind? Oh, there is mankind. There it sits. <laughs> I was sitting in the corner. He said, there it sits. He called him. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. Where is mankind? There is mankind. There it sits. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I mean, Foley was a unique individual. Back yes. Um, uh, mankind attacks Lawler and they brawl at ringside. Um, no surprise here. It's it's a very um, Jerry Lawler Memphis style match. Um, Jerry's using old school stuff to get heat going back and forth. Um, like Lawler's working the, the brass knucks in his tight gimmick. Things like that. Um, and um, Mankind ends up getting the mandible claw on uh, Jerry Lawler, and Lawler um, succumbs to that. I gave this a two and a half stars as well because it was it, they didn't really do much, but um, Lawler comes from that generation of you don't have to do a lot. You know what I mean? Extend. Work extend. smarter, not harder. Yeah, um, but it was a fun match. It was basic and effective, and I actually enjoyed it. It might be the only time that uh, Jerry Lawler ever wrestled Mick Foley, too. As far as I know, yes. You sure that, that didn't happen in, well, like, 
All right, yeah, that might have happened in Memphis. No, actually, honestly, it's it, it is true because um, when he wrote his book, um, he talked about that in his book. So they so many all these people wanted him write a book, and he was always so not wanting to do it because he said he didn't remember anything. Like, like he's like, I don't remember shit about anything. <laughs> like I did so much, I don't remember. And um, he said, like, he talked about this match. He's like, I didn't even know I wrestled Mick. <laughs> like, like, he, like WWF obviously had somebody help him research his book. Mm-hmm. You know, people had to ask him about shit. And then he'd be like, oh, yeah, I did wrestle Mick for the hour. You have to damn fact check everything. <laughs> Make sure it's not all fabricated. Yeah, that's why he said he never wanted to re- I'm sure... I'm sure there's a lot of things he likes to misremember in Joey Lawler's life, but anyway. Um, then Todd Pettengill interviews Brian Pillman about Steve Austin and says that he'll fight Steve Austin tomorrow night on Raw because, if you guys remember, um, he allowed um, Shawn Michaels to take Pillman's spot tonight to face um, Steve instead, trying to get those two to beat the shit out of each other. And then... Um, as Pillman is talking, he's talking smack about Steve Austin. Steve Austin's head appears over the shoulder of Brian Pillman, and Pillman doesn't see it. And Austin gets this big smirk on his face, and then he attacks Brian Pillman, and then he shoves his head in the toilet. Steve Austin coming up behind Brian Pillman, and that image is one of the like. Coolest things ever. Coolest images of the 90s, yes. Because Brian Pillman's so cocky and so sure of himself, and Austin's behind him like, I got you now, you little rat bastard. (laughs) Then he gives him a fucking swirly. Yeah. (laughs) Which is amazing. Um, um, So that's how he leaves um, uh, Pillman. I believe believe on the Austin 316 videotape, that's when he actually says, "You raspy voiced bastard." I got you now. I got you in the bathroom. You raspy voiced bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that video. Oh yeah, because it's just it is it is it is. It's an that, hour of him just roasting people. Yes, and it is that Steve Austin. It's that early version of Stone Cold. Dickhead. Yeah, that's a great video. I don't come out here dancing in a bunch in front of goddamn sparklers. <laughs> Then when he's when he's stone cold when he stuns um when he's commentating over the Royal Rumble and he stuns uh Phineas and then he's like talking smack to him and he's like, That's what you get, you smelly son of a bitch. That's what I told him. (laughs) That's what I told him. It was like the fucking everything Steve ever did was great. But Dickhead Steve, or he didn't like anybody. It was the best, just the best. Yep. Um, the next match is a match that's happened a couple times, and I hate watching these guys wrestle. Even though I like both of them, it's so this is your Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Gold Dust. Well, you know. these, yeah, <laughs> but these guys didn't wrestle as much as them. But it's Crush and Gold Dust. Like, why do you guys keep having Crush? Wrestle gold dust. It's never good. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> um, but 
there's some interesting notes in this. Um, um, it's J Jr. is finally being able to mention things from the past or other promotions. Like he he doesn't come right out and say it, but he says like Gold Dust comes out and he's like Gold Dust started when he started. He was a natural from day one, but he's grown into his. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that was them acknowledging the like whatever. And then um, he even mentions that Crush was part of Demolition. He's like, like he's like Crush started in the WWF as a member of Demolition, and then had some issues and had to leave for a little like shit like that. So it's like it's kind of cool. They're they're finally actually starting to do that. Um, I did put that. Um, I I've never really like Dustin was never really bad ever obviously in the ring but this night this gold dust is the most boring gold dust like yeah. 97 gold dust where he's just like with his wife and kid and it's like Ugh, what is going on that whole, yeah, that whole gimmick's bizarre <laughs> like, I know, and it's supposed to be but it's like whatever yeah and then so the character was cool in 95 and 96, and then they turned him babyface, and it wasn't cool. And then he gets with Luna. He goes and, crazy. That's amazing. Yes, and, and, that, and, that's, and that's cool. But then by the fall of 98, he's, it's now, it's now he's Russoized. So from week to week, the character has no real direction, and it's kind of silly, like he's a preacher, and then he's... He's he's not a preacher, and then he's just gold dust again, and then there's the blue dust stuff, and it's all stupid. So like, gold dust was great at the beginning; he had a good middle, and then the end wasn't great. And then when he comes back in two thousand and two, he's fantastic. Yeah. What he, what year was it that he did the uh, backlot brawl with Piper? Ninety six. That was that was to me that was peak gold dust for me. Well, yeah, and, and but like I'm saying, like I, I prefer my gold dust. A or crazy, okay? <laughs> like he's got to be one or the other. Yeah, F- fucking, um, like gold dust husband dad is just like it's weird. Like if well, you're it's gonna, be- if you're it's gonna better dad, than bondage gold dust. No, it's not. Bondage gold dust was amazing. <laughs> he comes to the ring. He comes to the ring at, 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 and we'll get to it eventually. But at the Degeneration X pay per view, and he's reading Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah, and it's just fucking. It's a, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and Jerry Lawler's like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> but but um, um, what I'm trying to say about this era of Gold Dust is, like I said, I either want my Gold Dust to be a feminine trying to mess with guys' minds, you know what I mean? Or being, like, batshit crazy or stuttering and having, like, Tourette's and shit. <laughs> that's what, That's how I want Gold Dust. If it, So if they were going to do this with him, this is the time where I was like, he should just be Dustin Rhodes mm-hmm. or Dustin Runnels. Put him in his fucking black tights or red tights or whatever and 
Let it be that way. You know? Give him the cowboy boots back. Yeah, if he's gonna be dad, dad, and dad and husband, let him be Dustin Rhodes. But anyway, they probably didn't that. do that because of the whole smoking gun thing. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't like, I don't like sane dust. Sane <laughs> dust is boring. <laughs> um, um, Gold Dust gets distracted a little bit by uh, Dilo taunting Marlena. Um, but um, it doesn't work because, like, um, anyway, Goldust ends up getting a DDT on Crush, um, pinning him one, two, three. Got our match. Um, not much to it. Pretty basic. And I would have honestly rather seen the headbangers fight Bart Gunn and Jesse James and put this on the fucking free for all. But whatevs is what it is. Um, Unless you guys got anything else on Gold Dust or Crush, nope. We'll soldier on. Um, um, Doc Hendricks ends up interviewing the Legion of Doom and Psycho Sid. Um, uh, what a ragtag group of misfits that is! Great. Um, (laughs) Animal ends up questioning if they can trust Sid, and Sid ensures them that he that they can. and then Pettengill interviews Owen, Bulldog, and Neidhart. Um, and it's just more like them bashing America and the Legion of Doom and Sid. And then the next match is the Hart Foundation versus Psycho Sid and the Legion of Doom in a six-man tag team match. Um, Jim, see, this is more shit where I'm talking about like Jim Ross talking about shit. Um, he meant when Sid comes out, he mentions that Carrie Von Eric once said that Sid was the toughest challenger he ever had. Um, the match is mainly the hearts double and tri- triple teaming animal. Um, um, so the, like I said, the story of the match is them trying to isolate animal. Um, and then, Sorry, I lost my spot here. Um, Sid, uh, ah, sorry, Owen ends up getting a sunset flip on uh, Sid Vicious and pinning him. Like that's how it ends. And he's like, "What? Okay." Um, and <laughs> it, it's a decent match. Nothing really good. Nothing really bad. Um, it just looks like a match that I, I assume that they've been probably working. They worked probably a couple house shows because they had to bring Sid in out of nowhere because of. Uh, Brett being hurt and this, that, and the other thing. So I'm sure they probably had this match on a couple shows leading up to it. And this is the one they did. And like I said, it was just kind of there. Um, it's kind of fun to watch though. Cause I do like every person involved in it. I mean, how can you go wrong with the Legion of doom? Sid's fucking Sid, you know, uh, he's impressive. And when he's with good people, he's good. And, how can you not be excited about watching Jim Neidhart, Bulldog, and Owen Hart? You know what I mean? That's how mm-hmm. it, it, it was a good match. You got all these guys on the show, and I enjoyed it. Um, so unless you guys got anything else on that, we'll move on. Uh, that's just what I was going to say. It was just a way to get it, get all these guys on the show, remind you that they're there, and that they're uh, they're they're you know they're involved in stuff other than yeah. Sid. Sid. Sid's so in and out at this point that he's just kind of plugged into the mix for a brief moment. Yeah. And um the other reason like I said this match was put on there is because um if you guys remember from 
going into King of the Ring, it was supposed to be all the hearts um, handcuffed to all four corners or whatever, but um, or handcuffed to all the corners. But like I said, that match with Brett and Sean got canceled, so that did not happen. Um, we then get a recap of we don't need to play it or talk about it too much because it's probably one of the most most played segments in the history of wrestling. It's the recap of Stone Cold Steve Austin winning the 1996 King of the Ring. Um, if you don't know what that was, you're not a fucking fan of wrestling. <laughs> Turn it off. Turn the show off. <laughs> Download fucking Peacock. Comedians and cars getting coffee or fucking I don't know some other thing and, and listen to that because you don't like wrestling if you haven't seen the 1996 Stone Cold Steve Austin promo <laughs> nothing wrong with comedians and cars getting coffee or whatever I'm just saying <laughs> um, then the next match is um, the finals of the King of the Ring it is Mankind versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley um, I actually do have a lot of notes on this match because, well, not a lot of notes, but um, it's a very good match, and it, it's like it's a very important match too. Like there is a there's an obvious importance to it, and then one that um, maybe a lot of people don't think about. What is important to it is that this was Triple H. Um, basically he's done redeeming himself now and he's finally getting his push. He's finally getting recognized for the talent that he is and he's no longer being punished for something that he shouldn't have been punished for to begin with. And it is also the, basically the start of the marriage that fucking built his goddamn career. Like my very first note before the match even started was it is crazy how much Fucking Hunter Hearst Helmsley owes Mick Foley to being where he's at. And I'm sure in real life he probably does it, but I don't think he, I don't think professionally, like, like publicly, he gives him enough credit for it. I agree. Like, like he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have got to where he was if fucking Cactus Jack wouldn't have been in his goddamn. If they wouldn't have had that right there, fucking no. I'm sorry, it wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have fucking happened. If it if it if it wouldn't have wouldn't have happened, it would have ha- taken more time. Because I mean, Hunter was always going to be a top guy because of his work ethic and his ability, but. Being paired with Mick in 97, and then as they would come back together over the years. Yeah, 2000, um, that, that uh, No Way Out was pretty dope, too, in the Hell in the Cell. Yeah, between, between, Mick, between Mick and The Rock, they, they helped Hunter establish himself as a, as a main event star. Like, he got paired up. He got paired up with the most unjealous and unselfish person you could be, you know what I mean? Like at that time. Well, and, and, and Mick Foley. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say Mick Foley is also a great foil for a heel like Hunter because he is a character and a wrestler 
literally his character never never looked bad in losing. Does that make sense? Right. Like Mick Mick's character was the character that he's gonna get his he's probably gonna get his ass handed to him, but he's gonna give it back. But do you know you why know, his character never loses anything by losing? Because if you look at him and you're not a wrestling fan, you're like, that guy's a loser. Well, and I'm not even saying it. I'm not even knocking it. I'm saying no. it, it helps him. And well, yeah, I was going to say not just that, but as far as taking the bumps that he took and everything, he's such a badass that even when he loses the match, he's been so impressive the whole time through the match that you almost forgot he lost the match. Well, that's what right. I'm saying. Like, like that's what I meant by like, oh, that guy, whatever. Like, if you're it's, a if you're a non wrestling fan and you see somebody that comes out that looks like Sid, you know what I mean? You're like, oh shit, look at that guy. And he power bombs a bunch of people and choke slams them. You're like, oh, I was expecting that. You know what I mean? Or if you're a non wrestling fan and you see somebody come out like Hunter, who isn't obviously as big as Sid or whatever, but it's like, oh, that guy looks like he could handle himself. And then you see somebody that looks like Mick Foley come out. Like, eh, eh. And then he does just what Nate was saying. All this crazy shit. You're like, holy fuck. Like, this is amazing. And I wasn't expecting it from that guy. And, and then it, when he loses, you're like, oh, okay. But he still was fucking crazy. And, and it's by no means the same style. I'm not trying to compare the style or even the personality. But, and hear me out. It's almost like, okay, so when I was when I was a kid and even an early, like a preteen, it didn't matter. It didn't matter that Tito lost to Mr. Perfect, that Tito lost to Harley Race, that Tito lost to Rick Martel. Tito is still a superstar. Yeah, and you he know what I mean? Up. He held yes. his own, and usually and, he usually ended up losing because he slipped on a banana peel or they cheated. Yeah, and, I, and I, so like I said, I'm not comparing the styles, but I, I'm glad you see my comparison to Tito. Yeah. Uh, and, I, ta and, I talk about I, – I think I really, really like Tito. Like, I I, Tito. I, I, Well, no, I'm just saying I talk about Tito a lot, and then when I make my like top 15 wrestlers of all time, I never put Tito in it, yet I talk about Tito all the time. Tito <laughs> might have to move into my top 15 of all time. <laughs> Even if it's just at 15. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anytime, anytime I'm a promoter on Wrestling Empire and my fucking guy dies or gets fired – and I have to start a new promotion. The, one of the first people I get is fucking Tito Santana. <laughs> He's a workhorse. Tito, I'm gonna give you creative control and and five grand a week. Come on, Tito. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I know what you're saying about Hunter and, and yeah, mankind. Um, um, they end up bringing up the fact that mankind looks disheveled, but he's actually intelligent. Um. And then Vince brings up Dude Love. Um, there's no, like, Vince has got a heart on for Dude Love. Like, the minute he saw that shit, oh, uh, he was. Anyway. He was uh, in love, dude. Yeah. He was um, mad that it was Foley's idea and he couldn't do it. <laughs> um, the story of tonight's match, or, and I forgot to mention it, sorry, guys. During his match with Lawler, um, um, Lawler smashed mankind's head 
against the steps and against the guardrail. So the story of this is that um, um, that Mick is suffering from like like he's got head trauma or whatever, and Triple H is focusing in on that. Um, um, then Hunter ends up during the match. He takes a backdrop to the unprotected floor, and then Cactus hits the Cactus Jack elbow. <laughs> And then uh, uh, Cactus ends up hitting the, or I don't want to call him Cactus, but Mankind ends up hitting the the double arm DDT. um, But China ends up distracting the referee, so he misses that count. Hunter ends up ripping off Mankind's mask. Um, Mankind tries for a back elbow to the floor, but China moves Hunter so so fully hit the safety rail. with the back of his head, and then Triple H ends up throwing him to the steps. So his head, like I said, his head's all fuckered up. And then uh, Triple H hits the pedigree onto Mankind, who is on the announce table. So he's so basically Triple H drives Mankind through the announce table with the um, pedigree and um, gets back into the ring. Mankind tries, like, he gets up because Triple H basically put him through the through the table, trying to get, like, a count out, and Mankind ends up getting up, gets back into the ring, or attempts to get back in the ring, and China busts his ass with the fucking scepter, and it explodes, like, it pings off of him, it's fucking great, and, um, Hunter ends up hitting another pedigree, and then one, two, three, new king of the ring, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. So there you have it. Hunter's out of purgatory. He's the king of the ring. Mick did his job. And then um, Todd Pettengill tries to get into the ring to interview Hunter, but um, China ends up roughing him up. And then um, Triple H beats up Mankind um, with with, with the crown. But the problem is, it's the crown like that Owen wore. Yeah, the ridiculous crown. That's not even a crown. It's like cloth. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Hunter's beating him up with it. But then I remembered, I hearkened back to a story that I remembered Triple H talked about. Um, I don't know if you guys know this or not. So it, do you know the story of Triple H and the crown? Not that I recall. No. Okay. You know how Owen wore the crown, but you know who you know the stories of Owen, like I shouldn't say we all know because none of us ever met the guy, but we all know the stories of Owen Hart and know um how the guy was. If you give an Owen Hart, like an Owen Hart esque person, a giant crown, like an oversized comedic cartoonish crown what's the first what is he gonna want to put it on absolutely he wants to own it i'm gonna own that shit okay if you go if you give triple h a giant plush crown after a year of eating shit and learning to like the taste of it which is what they told him they said you're gonna have to learn you're gonna have to eat shit and learn to like the taste of it. If you give this guy 
a giant plush crown and say, put it on. Do you think he's going to want to do it? No, he's going to go, you're continuing to bury me by giving me this ridiculous crown. Yes. And he's going to so, say, yeah, how's this shit taste? <laughs> so he said they had multiple crowns, and every time they gave him one, he would figure out some way to beat his opponent with it and rip it up. To the point where they said, fuck it. We can't, like, we can't keep making these crowns. And they just said, he's not going to wear it. He's fucking ripping it up. Just forget it. <laughs> it's like, he, he said it took it like four, like five or six times of just fucking ripping these things up. And they were like, fine, we get it. Stop. Stop right. breaking them. <laughs> I just, I just thought That's it was great. Cool. <laughs> he, he was I find like, it funny. I, he's like, I never put that on. Like, he said, I never put that. It was on his. It was on the Jericho podcast. He's like, I never put that on my head because I knew the minute I put it on my head, it like, becomes an it becomes an image they use. That's my thing. Yeah. Like the minute I put it on my head, because Vince really wanted him to, and he's like, the minute I put that on my head, I'm going to be complacent, and I'm going to be like, like basically towing the line, and I'm not doing it. Not doing it. I find it funny though that you were like talking about Mick Foley and head trauma, and and that this is like the first time that that's that's been a thing. Hell, I've been knew Mick Foley had head trauma way before this. Oh no, I'm not saying that it was the first time. I'm just saying that's the that's the angle they were going for the match. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, they wanted him to like, oh, like basically give him an out for getting fucked in the match. And um, the match isn't the best, Mick Fo- obviously the best Mick Foley, Paul Levesque match ever, but it's it's I, I it, I'm not saying it's their first match, but it's like it's the start of their feud, and looking with it, looking at it with knowing what I know now, you're like man, these guys are fucking magic together. Both of them knew their fucking job. I'm not saying they were best friends. Um, because I know there's been heat between them before in the past and shit like that, but they knew how to fucking work with each other. Yeah, and and Mick Mick knew how to get the best out of Triple H, and Triple H knew how to um utilize a guy like McFoley. You know, what I, I mean? mean that goes back to both of their training. I mean Triple H being trained by Kowalski and uh, Foley being trained by Danucci. Both of them had old school trainers, so. They were taught the actual psychology of wrestling. Yep. And like I said, it, it, it's the start of of their feud, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. And they are, they are, and I, I, I'm going, I'm going way deep here with my Tito comparison and everything. But the way, the reason that Mick and Triple H. Other than obviously their talent, they're both talented individuals, but the reason they worked so well together and why it worked so well is the absolute same reason that Flair and Dusty worked so well. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same formula. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the contrast. They're, yes, or kind of. And like I said, it's not the style, not necessarily, but Mick's charismatic, but he's kind of an everyman. And at this point, Hunter is 
essentially emulating a Ric Flair, Buddy Rogers type character. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and it works because they're both so talented. Yep. And they're both polar opposites of each other. Polar opposites are the best in wrestling. Like, um, um, it's not the same thing, but it's the same. It, it, it's a feud going on at this time. There's a reason that Steve Austin and Bret Hart were so great. Because it's fucking two totally different characters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason that if you would like, there's a reason that in, when you had Kevin Nash and Scott Hall wrestle each other, it didn't work. Because it's like, Who's the shitbag in this situation? You know what I mean? Like, not, and I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that about either one of the guys. You know something, I mean? a, something a little more modern, even. I'm saying it about the characters. You know, what I mean, yeah, I mean guys, but, but something a little more modern, even. Uh, one of the uh, pro- maybe I don't know. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but in the past 20 years, 15, 20 years, one of the top five to four to five rivalries in the history of the business of this era of this modern era is John Cena and edge. It just yeah. worked. Yeah. You know, Cena's Cena's the, the goody two shoes. You know, I'm the champion for the people and edge is like, I'm going to fuck anybody I can to get that fucking belt and all that yeah. fucking money. You look, know? At my, <laughs> look at my tramp ass girl. Over <laughs> yes. <here>. It worked. <laughs> it fucking worked. That's one of my favorite acts of all time is fucking Edge and Lita together. Mm-hmm. Fucking fantastic. Yep. And she called Mick a Muppet. So like, get out of here, you Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're fucking talking. At that one, sur- at that one Survivor He's Series. Football player dude over yeah, here. Base- baseball player dude. <laughs> He's got something to say. Yeah, yeah they're just fucking yeah. great act together. Um, are you guys ready to go into the next match? Yep. For segment, whatever. Because um, it is a match. But Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels is coming up. But Bret Hart and um, uh, the Hart Foundation come out um, first. And Bret Hart tells uh, the fans to shut the hell up and says that his injuries are almost almost healed. Um he introduces all of the Heart Foundation. Uh, uh, Brett, uh, sorry, Brett introduces all the Heart Foundation, and he gets to the. He he talks about Brian Pillman, then he talks about Bulldog, then he says Nightheart, and then I don't know why this made me sit, laugh so much, but then he goes, and lastly, my damn good brother Owen. <laughs> I don't know why I made my damn good brother Owen. And the people are like, fuck you! Fuck you both! <laughs> and it's just cracking me up. Um, and then he says he'll be ready by July 6th at the Canadian Stampede and then challenges any five wrestlers to fight his five, his four, and himself. I said that weird. Basically, he challenges them to any five WWF superstars, any five Americans to face him and his family at the Canadian Stampede. Um, then Brett tries to go down and say that he's going to be in the in the in the announce area, but WWE officials end up kicking him and the Hart Foundation out. And then um, as they're leaving, they do like the backstage, like watching the watching the guy walk to the ring or whatever. 
<clears throat> and Austin's walking out or going to walk out to the entrance re- nah, the entrance set or whatever, and he ends up getting like into a verbal argument with the Hart Foundation. Um, and then it, it's like it's taking forever for this match to start, okay? But then the fucking bell rings, and this match is finally going to start. And guess what happens? Guess what happens the minute the bell rings? These guys are finally ready to lock up. Guess what happens? Tell them. A, uh, a mentally challenged <laughs> child falls over the guardrail. Oh, this is the one. I know which one. <laughs> yes. what? Ding, ding, ding. They're ready to lock up. Mentally challenged guy falls over the railing. <laughs> Security, unaware that he's a mentally challenged person. Attack him. Yes. <laughs> and Shawn Michaels goes, Holy shit, they're about to beat up the special Olympian. And he gets out and he's like, No, 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 no. <laughs> Steve Austin, knowing what's happening, is like trying to be Steve Austin, but being like, No, 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 like, don't. And um, um, they end up they end up getting him out of there and all, the security were doing their job okay <laughs> like they were, they were doing their job in the fact that oh this person's jumped the railing but then Steve and Sean are super professional because what would a wrestler do the minute somebody jumps the railing kick your ass kick your ass <laughs> they realize cuz they probably met this this person, you know, like, oh shit, that's the that's the mentally challenged guy. Let's let security know. And um Sean ends up ushering like like getting the kid out of the arena. Okay. So now that's happened. And um um then Sean ends up getting back into the ring very quickly to try to like distract from that situation. And um, um, Jim Ross, <laughs> Jim Ross, guess what he says? He's like, "Oh, oh, that is that that special Olympian, uh, the little fella, got a little overzealous and fell over the guardrail." <laughs> That's what he calls him. He's like, "Oh, that little fella, he got a little overzealous and fell over the guardrail." I don't know why it sounds bad. Like, I don't think like Jim Ross wasn't being a dick. It's like, why don't you call him a little fella? Like, (laughs) 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 but anyway, um, like, could you imagine you go to work? All right. And it's like, all right, we're going to, we're going to do our job today guys. And then all of a sudden, just like that. happens. But anyway, you're, st- you're stocking the shelves, and then you know, like a little kid, fella just yeah, falls some, like, oh, some, 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 little, some little kid with Down syndrome just falls through the Cheetos, and uh, or you're working on that display, and all of a sudden he comes through there, and boom, yeah, he goes everywhere, and you're like, you're like ready to throw hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the mentally challenged kid. 
and then other people storm in to start kicking the shit out of him. And you got to be like, no, no. <laughs> but anyway, he's oh, probably really strong. Oh, help me, help me. <laughs> so that's okay, how that, that was a little far. <laughs> so that's how that match starts. Um, and this is one of the matches where, like, Nate and I were talking about oh, the other day. Where there, I don't have a lot of notes on it. And the reason I don't have a lot of notes on it is because it's fucking great. Like these guys are tearing it up. Um, um, they work fantastic together. Um, Austin ends up um, hitting the stunner, but the ref is down. Um, HBK ends up super kicking. Um, um, Austin and going for the pin. Like I, like I said, guys, I don't have a lot in the middle of the match because I was just watching it. Basically, the story of the match is the ref got bumped. Um, Austin hits the stunner, goes to pin, goes to pin um, Michaels, but there's no ref. Michaels ends up super kicking Steve Austin. The new ref comes in, slides into the ring, but doesn't go for the doesn't go for the count. He goes to check on the, his his fellow hurt referee, which pisses Shawn Michaels off. And um, HBK ends up kicking. I, I think it might have been Doan. He he kicks one of them. It's Kyoto Doan. Like it's like vice versa. You know what I mean? Whatever. And Earl Hebner ends up coming out and disqualifying both HBK and Steve Austin. And the match ends in a no contest. So it was a really good match in between. It's kind of a shit finish. But you don't want either one of these guys beating the other guy. You know what I mean? Well, and the finish had to be what it was because, first of all, this wasn't like it was a planned match. Well, yes, it, well, yeah, it wasn't a long, drawn out. We've got a story here, or whatever. It, it, I mean, the story works because you got your your tag team champions facing each other. Um, but yeah, the finish was the finish was fine. This is you know the, this is the kind of match where you can have a non finish and it's fine. Yeah, like I said, it wasn't even the match that they were originally going to fucking have. It was supposed to be Brett and and um, Sean. And if they would have had one of the other guys win, they wouldn't have been able to continue doing the story they were planning on doing to begin with. You know what I mean? Right. So my whole my whole thing though is like, did it have to take twenty two and a half minutes? <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> twenty two and a half minutes. Like the but like literally the the next match you got coming up is like 13 minutes and 43 seconds you could have you know shaved a little bit off of that i guess i can see your point but i'd rather watch steve and michael's fight than farouk and undertaker i want my honest opinion yeah but, but i mean at the same time you got your wwf championship match up next I don't know. I, like I said, I get it, but the 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 twenty two and a half minutes was fucking. It was it was it. It was the best match on the show, by far. So you guys got anything else on that? No, just I've never seen Steve and Sean work together where it wasn't great. Yeah, they didn't indeed. work. To, they didn't work together very often. But when they did, it was always magic. And oh, yeah. and I got to, and Aaron did too, we actually went to a house show in 96 in Toledo 
when Sean was the WWF champion and he wrestled, you know, very early stone cold and, uh, they had a good match that night. Yeah. Steve didn't even have the, um, the, uh, glass breaking music yet. Nope. Was, he still, he still had the, he still had the slow yeah, creeping music. Yeah. And, Oh, who else did we see in that? Sid and Vader. Yeah, Sid and Vader. And um, was that the that wasn't Brett Taker? Brett Taker was the ninety. Brett, was, Brett Taker was in ninety seven, about a year after that show. Yeah, but that was <laughs> was that the one with the with the with the which one was the warehouse doors? That was 96 because it was hot as fuck in that place. <laughs> this is 96, folks, and there is not air conditioning in the Toledo Sports Arena, and it was hot as shit in that building. And at intermission, they opened up the bay doors on either side to let some air flow in, and that got the biggest pop of the night. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, that building's fucking heating, cooling system was so bad. That people like locally called it the Toledo Sports Aroma. <laughs> it's like oh, we're packing all these smelly ass people. In here. <laughs> I got swamp ass. It's like what is going on? But it was a cool building. It was a cool venue for for pretty much anything. I thought wrestling, hockey, fucking concerts. It was a good building. Now it's gone. Yeah. But anyway. Um, Nate and like like you said, you made the joke last week, and I told you it was coming up. Um, Todd Pettengill interviews Farouk, and um, he asks he asks about um, the Undertaker's distractions and everything with this Paul Bearer situation. And Farouk says, "Undertaker, the only blackmail you got to worry about is me." <laughs> Like, I am the biggest blackmail in your fucking life right now. And I'm about to take the WWF championship off of you. It's a really good line. Um, then um, Doc Hendricks tries to interview The Undertaker and say that everybody loves The Undertaker and we all feel for you. And Paul Bear ends up not letting The Undertaker speak and berates him and says, you need to go out there and win this match. Um Undertaker comes out and Farouk ends up jump starting the match, attacking Undertaker from behind. Um, Undertaker goes to do, he gets, he ends up like, you know, coming back in the match and he goes to do the, um, the um, spoiler on the ropes, but fakes out and jumps on to the nation of domination. Um, so taking them out and then, um, Later on in the match, Farouk ends up getting a pile driver, but Taker kicks out of that. And then um, um, Crush tries to get involved and it backfires and Crush and Clarence Mason end up getting into an argument. Um, and then Savio ends up hitting the Undertaker. Um, and Savio and Crush end up arguing, which distracts Farouk allows the Undertaker to nail Farouk from behind and then get the tombstone onto the Undertaker and now Undertaker has defeated Farouk and he is still the WWF champion so not a lot to the match um, 
So it just kind of was what it was. Um, so do you guys got anything on the match before we go into the post-match angle? Not the match itself, but and I think I've mentioned it before, and I'm just going to say it again because it's there and it's in, in the in your face. As great as he was, Taker's 97 WWF title run is underwhelming just because it's overshadowed by so much else going on. You know, Steve Austin's rise and all the shit going on with Brett and Sean and and all that. It's just his title range just kind of there. Plus his own story. His own story is overshadowing the fact that he's the champion. Yeah. But it's like the pond was ever stopped. Yeah. And I honestly think that they put the belt on him before they fell into this Kane gimmick. I think they put the I think honestly, I think Vince put the belt on him because he was like, he's the only guy I can fucking trust. Because <laughs> yeah. everybody else is playing politics and everybody else is being a little whiny bitch and yeah, but you know, you, and, you and Austin's and Austin's not ready yet and and you know yeah, I mean I get that that's what I'm saying I agree with that but I also think that they put the belt on him and then um, then Bruce had the cane idea you know what mm-hmm. I mean and and you can't just job him out and get the fucking belt off him to do that angle right so I just think that's what it was. I think he got the belt and he was probably just going to do what they always do with the undertaker. You know, let's put the belt on him for four months and have him beat a bunch of big guys. And plus it's like, he deserves the fucking belt, you know, Mm -hmm. they put the belt on him and then the gimmick, the cane gimmick idea happened and it just kind of, and like you said, there was all this other fucking roller coaster shit going on and, it just kind of got lost in the sauce. Um, and Paul Bear ends up demanding that Undertaker beat Farouk up some more involving uh, choke slams, and he doesn't want to, but um, Bear ends up reminding him about the blackmail. So Taker ends up choke slamming uh, Farouk three times. Um, and then. Ahmed Johnson, for some reason, comes out and confronts The Undertaker about abusing Farouk and gives him a Pearl River plunge and leaves. And then um, Taker is berating the knocked out Undertaker who ends up sitting up and back downs Paul Bear. And that is how the show ends. It's a weird finish. Weird finish to the show. I agree. Um, they are, and we'll get into it. We won't get into it tonight because you'll have. We'll get into it as we go through the next few weeks. But the plan originally is for Ahmed to challenge Undertaker for the title at Canadian Stampede, and that doesn't happen because of an injury. But um, that's the beginning of of that, which was probably going to lead to not Ahmed winning the title, but Ahmed joining the nation, which he's going to anyway. <sighs> But it's 97, and shit changes by the minute. Yes. Um, Like I said, WWF is frantic in some way. Like you said, shit changes. Um, But is what it is. And like I said, the show, it wasn't the greatest show in in the history of the King of the Ring or whatever, but it wasn't the worst. It was just kind of there. Um like I said, Sean and, and, and Hunter or Sean and, and um, 
Austin was really good. Um, I enjoyed kind of the Memphis style Lawler shit. And then um, historic wise, it's cool because it's the, the rise of Hunter and the start of Mick and, 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 and Hunter. But other than that, the show was just kind of there. And my- I agree. I agree. It was fine. And I'm very excited that it sounds like they are going to bring King of the Ring back as a pay-per-view. I didn't know that, but that's yeah, cool. Yeah, it so- sounds like they're bringing it back as a pay-per-view. They're going to have a... It, of course, it's 2022 or 2023, so it'll be a King of the Ring and a Queen of the Ring, which is fine, whatever. I just like one-night tournaments, and we don't have that anymore in wrestling, and I'm excited that they're talking about bringing it back. Yep. So I guess I didn't know that, but that's more influence of a... A wrestler running that company. A former King of the Ring running that company. <laughs> Wrestlers, wrestler. Um, I didn't watch Halloween Havoc yet, but I also heard that T-Bar burned his mask, so I'm kind of yes. excited about that. Mm-hmm. Thank fucking God. <laughs> fucking talent. You got a T-Bar? <laughs> the only good thing about T-Bar was his Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, yes. Dominic should just be Dominic Dijakovic and, and be a badass. Yes. And be way better than what a fucking dude his size should be. Like, like, I don't want to say it. And, and, and he's as good. And you guys can tell me if I'm a fucking idiot or whatever, but a guy has, he's as good as Claudio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not even saying Claudio's old, but Claudio, he, he's probably been, he's probably 15 years in now, right? If not, maybe mm-hmm. more. But he's he's his generation's Claudio. It's like, this guy's yep. a fucking freak. You know who else, uh, you know who else Dijakovic reminds me of? And Aaron knows I, I was a mark for this dude, even though he never, I don't think he ever got his fair shake because he was so good for a guy his size. He's 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 like Mark Jindrak too. Yeah. You know, a guy like you look at Mark Jindrak and you're like, oh, he ain't gonna do much. And then he gets in the ring, you're like, fucking Christ. <laughs> look at that drop kick. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Yeah. And and he could actually talk, in my opinion, and and he looked like a fucking wrestler. His problem was he was in that group with Randy and he wasn't Randy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Like, like he was the guy, he was one of the guy like he was one of that, that that group that was with Randy that thought they were the fucking click. <laughs> and the like WWE was like, You're not the click. It's two thousand three. This is nineteen ninety five. You're not as good as these guys either. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they fired everybody around Randy. Because Randy was good as good as everybody. They fired everybody around Randy, and Randy was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I don't mean, I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but there are pictures. Like, he was, he was yeah. going to be where Batista was in Evolution. Yeah. They actually, you know, they shot, they shot videos and stuff with Jindrak in Evolution instead of Batista. And for one, Triple H didn't think it worked. And two, like I said, it was just all these people were around Randy, and Randy was being a fucking asshole. And they were like, we don't want to fire Randy. Yeah. He's yeah. the fucking money guy here. They're like, like, listen, yeah, Jindrak, Maven, get the, get the stepping. <laughs> and then Randy was like, shit, all right. 
I really enjoyed that uh legacy tag team. Or a little little stable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than manure. <laughs> that dude sucked. <laughs> when that's his name, Manure. Like, well, it was Manu, but I see what uh, you did there. Yeah. <laughs> There's that match he has with Matt Hardy where Matt Hardy after he pins him and gets up. You can see the look on his face like Jesus fucking crash. <laughs> 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 Yeah. You are you are not like your relatives. Yeah, you are, you suck. But anyway, um, maybe one day we'll get to that year. Uh, but anyway, like I said, like the show was it was middle ground for me. It wasn't the worst thing. It wasn't the best thing. It was just kind of there, and uh, we're past it now. And we are rolling in pay per view wise. We're rolling into uh, what I think is the greatest in your house of all time. And honestly, is one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time. So it's going to take us a minute to get there. But for WWF, we're rolling into um, the Canadian Stampede is our next pay-per-view. Um, sorry, let me grab this. And then the next shows we're going to watch are obviously um, June 9th, 1997, WWF Raw, WCW Nitro. Raw is in their backyard in Hartford, Connecticut. Um Nitro. I forgot to write down where they were at. I'm sure it's somewhere hickish, but anyway. Um, so if you guys want to continue li- listening along and watching along with us, those are the next shows you need to watch. And I want to thank you guys for joining the show tonight. And mm-hmm. we're going to close it out. You guys got anything to say at the end of the show? No, just like, like you said, it was a, it was a decent pay per view. It's it's worth watching. It's not something where you're going to watch it and go, oh, that sucked. I just wasted three hours of my night. Um, but it also wasn't uh, anything that set the world on fire either. Right. And, and to me, that's like this era of wrestling was when I was, you know, a real diehard fan. And slowly with this this new stuff, I'm starting to get back there where I'm more intrigued by what's going on. Yeah, there's no, how do I say it, WWF is now at the point where there's no fucking plumbers or fucking, you know what I mean? Like, they finally mm-hmm. realize, like, we're done with that. You're not a plumber. Yeah. Time to move on. Time to evolve. Well, that Like, the only goofy, real goofy gimmick they got, and it's not, I don't even think it's goofy, is, is uh, Rockabilly and Jesse. Like, that's, like, the last, like, Kind of like this gimmick, kind of silly. And right. other than that, there's not really a lot of goofball shit going on. It's it's good, solid wrestling. There, I mean, there's still gimmicks, but it's not like I don't believe. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Repo man. is awesome. That's what I get. I I will die on that hill. That was a fucking great gimmick. But anyway. Hey, Macho Man, I got your hat. <laughs> the guy, you know what I mean? That, yeah. that That's the gimmick where the guy made the gimmick. That's what one of the funniest things I heard this week was uh, um, J- Brian Lash and Jim Cornette talking about, you know, Chris Jericho stroking himself off in his, his interview or whatever that he did for, I think, I don't know, Sports Illustrated or something. 
He's talking about how, or maybe Tony, I don't know, something, something fucking with Jericho, and they're talking about how he's reinvented himself more than any wrestler in the world. And Brian Lass is like, well, maybe other than Barry Darso. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a lumberjack. I'm a Russian. I'm a member of demolition. I'm a repo man. I'm a golfer. I'm a trucker. <laughs> I was like, that pop, goes that on. Pop, and he's like, I invented Goldberg. <laughs> he said that he's like I came mm-hmm. up with Goldberg. I said he's like I said put a mask on me or however he talks. You know? he's yeah, like, they put a mask. Like, did you know this, Mark? Yeah. Oh wait, Mark. Yeah, Mark. What that he invented Goldberg? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he said he went to Eric Bischoff and he had an idea. He's like, um, I have an idea. Put a mask on me. He's like, because everybody knows who I am. He's like, put a mask on me. I will just go out there and I will beat everybody. I'll beat everybody in like 22 seconds. Boom, 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 boom. And then you end up getting me up there. I end up fighting Hogan. And I beat Hogan for the belt. Greatest fucking gimmick in the world. Only undefeated wrestler. Put a mask on. He's like, I don't even care what you call me. Just put a mask on me. And Bischoff's like, I don't think that'll work. <laughs> and then they did it with Goldberg. And he's like, that's the fucking idea I had. <laughs> See, we're in a fucking mask. <laughs> Won't fucking work my ass. <laughs> but anyway, it won't work for you, buddy. <laughs> this other guy we're bringing in, it'll work. <laughs> anyway, fucking stole that idea from me. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I said, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for joining along tonight. I appreciate it. And I said, unless you guys got anything else, we'll sign out. And I'm gonna eat some food and protect your fucking shit from the re- 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 repo man. <laughs>